podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football and basketball. So grab yourself a pumpkin brew or beverage of your choice. All the best smelling wildcats are here with Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Because I love Thank you. Thank you very much for giving. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for a Sunflower Showdown victory recap. That's right, 15 straight for the Wildcats. It was a close game. It was a chippy game. It was no fun at all. (laughs) It was a gut-wrenching victory. Um, I had no fun. Zero fun was had outside of, like, the very first play, and... Like Philip Brooks's, uh, you know, catch on third down. Um, outside of that, absolutely no fun, zero fun. Um, but hey, a victory is a victory. Before we get into basically all my takeaways from that game, let's have a shout out to the K State women's basketball team for the second straight year they beat Iowa this year in front of fifteen thousand fans in Iowa City taking down the number two team in the nation, Caitlin Clark, the reigning national player of the year, uh, held her to a career bad shooting night. And Aoka Lee is a beast. Be a friend, tell a friend that these women have it going on. So make sure to check them out on ESPN plus currently recording this as they are up on Wisconsin at halftime. All right. Non game related things from Saturday. Uh, from my experiences, because I went to the game. Normal uh, chippiness that you'd expect in the stands. Uh, I was in Section 23, so that was in the like northeast corner of the stadium. Uh, so lots of K-State fans. I mean, it was like 95% K-State fans in there, but you get chippiness on the concourse amongst some of the fans. Uh, you know, it is what it is, but you, you love that. That's part of the fun about playing games and going to games on the road. Um, was tailgating in lot 94 with my brother and some of his buddies. It was a blast. Shout out to them. Very hospitable. Probably for the best. I didn't see my brother or any of his friends after the game. I'm sure they were down uh, pretty bad. Um, you know, it is what it is. The booth, as they call it, it still remains probably the second or third worst stadium I've ever been to. Um, you know, it's probably in line with Vanderbilt Stadium. And then when I went to the Liberty Bowl, when we played Arkansas, that was just a disgusting trash heap of the stadium, but so is David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. Um, and, and what kind of sucks is the renovations are going to happen. That's not even the side of the uh, you know stadium that KSA fans typically sit on. Uh, their west side's going to get fixed, and uh, their closed off end zone. They're going to change some stuff, but really, it's I mean the side where KSA fans typically sit. I don't think much is changing. I think it's still going to be a dump. Uh, on that side, at least for another five, six years is what it is, though. It's a hellhole. Um, but you know, I, I, I like going to those games. I think that I think I counted that was maybe the 10th K State KU game, uh, in Memorial Stadium I've been to. Um, and nine and one in those games, which is wild. So, um, you absolutely love it. Uh, it was the best pro KU atmosphere I've ever experienced in there. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that said similar to what happens in Allen Fieldhouse, they were blaring music. I mean, they were playing music so loud. It, it usually was out drowning their own fans. And that was something Chris Kleiman actually alluded to in his postgame presser. Um, so that's funny. 
Um, it is what it is, though. Whatever. I'm not not my uh, zoo, not my monkeys. KU, play your music as loud as you want. Um, I think there probably still were about 10,000, 11,000 K-State fans, so anywhere between 20 to 25% of the stadium. Um, obviously, I was in the area where K-State fans were most congregated. Uh, so it, I, I was interested when I rewatched the game. Some of the loudest crowd pops for the entire game were K-State related. So as always, K-State fans showed out well on the road. Um, I'll touch on a little bit of kind of banter stuff before I really get into it. Uh, so many KU fans just crying. Oh, you know, dropped interceptions, bad calls, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. K-State had drop interceptions. Uh, there was a fumble. K-State forced a fumble. And they got kicked and batted forward 20 extra yards. KU recovered it, later scored a touchdown. Um, you know, th- there were so many. Like, when I rewatched the game, I was expecting to see all this egregious, you know, refereeing errors. And, and I didn't see any of it. The Philip Brooks, it was obviously a catch. I don't see the reason why they reviewed that for so long. Um, the holding and pass interference penalties, 110% holding and pass interference. Um, quite frankly, there should have been more. Kenny Logan, um, or maybe it's Kobe Bryant, one of those two safeties was holding all night. They, they literally didn't have a play where they weren't holding. Um, it, it, it's shocking. I, I really don't understand what they wanted. They wanted a targeting uh, call on Bo Palmer. It was nowhere even close to that. Uh, look, I, I understand KU fans are new to this whole winning football stuff, but the amount of complaining, I, I, I was legitimately shocked, purely shocked um, when I rewatch it. And hell, one of the worst no calls in the entire game, the very first play of the second half goes for 60 yards. Brendan Mott is being clotheslined and held. Uh, otherwise, that's a sack, not a big play. So I don't want to hear it from KU fans. And then finally, like, look, Ballard is a good little quarterback, but I have no sympathy for KU fans crying about having to play with a third-string quarterback. According to Leipold himself, Bean was 100% healthy, and they just made the call to go with Ballard because of how practice went this week. I have no sympathy. I have no time about that. And again, K-State in this 15-game winning streak has played at quarterback a walk-on wide receiver, and multiple times have had to play their third-string quarterback. So hold those five L's in a chain across your body like the bondage that it just chains you up in like it's the opening of a Christmas carol and you're, uh, what, who, who is Ebenezer Scrooge's, uh, you know, longtime partner? Jacob Marley. You, you know, Marley, you know, that was him being an asshole. All the debts he held over people, the greed weighed him down. No, these 15 L's weighing you down like a ton chain link necklace just draped across your neck with those 15 L's. Hold it and stop crying. Before we get into the game, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Look, there's lots of tasty drinks all over the place. I know when you think Thanksgiving, you aren't typically thinking beer, but I'm bringing Manhattan Brewing Company to my Thanksgiving get-together. You should, too, set up a nice little beer-tasting party for you and your cool cousins. Ignore the weird ones. Tell your uncle Gerald to just stay away. But you and your cool cousins, maybe an awesome aunt, set up a little beer-tasting at Thanksgiving. Have yourself a blast. Shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. That's what I was drinking in the tailgate lots on Saturday. I absolutely love them. K-State 31, KU 27. Only the second one-score game in the current streak. Credit where credit's due. KU had the perfect game plan on offense. All they did was run an option, and then they just uh, squeezed the life out of the ball. They absolutely just drained it. Every single play was going down to you know single digits on the play clock. Look, I think if Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels was playing, I think K-State wins this game by more and more comfortably. I think this was a bunch of extra gimmicks i think this was stuff that really wasn't on tape and they just leaned into it because that's how you play against a better team 
That is what you have to do when you're the underdog. That is what you have to do when you're outmatched. That is what you have to do when the other side has vastly more talent than you do. I mean, this is taken straight from, you know, high school's books. You, you put put in a bunch of plays with a bunch of weird motions and formations that you haven't shown, and you take the play clock down as low as you can. And KU executed it perfectly, almost perfectly. <laughs> um, but really, by the end of the game, the quality showed out. K-State is the better team. K-State is the better program. Okay, the gap is closed, but still mind the gap. You know, it, it is closing, I should say. It's not It's not what it was, you know, when, when uh, Lance first got there. It's not what it was when Les was there. But you still have to mind the gap because it is still there. Checks over stripes, mind the gap. The gap is still 110% there. Um, And, and again, you play a 60-minute game, usually that quality is going to show itself. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris Kleiman. Uh, he he continues to be aggressive and he continues to be correct when he goes for two inappropriate times. Uh, that two point conversion and then uh, to couple with the blocked extra point, taking it back for two. That's the reason why K State wins in regulation. Um, so shout out to him. I believe it's only the third time this year K State has not covered. The line closed at some places as low as six and a half, and this is a wild line. Back on uh, Friday before last, the look-ahead line had this as a four-point game. Got up as high as 10.5, and and then uh, Bean was warming up. They announced in the stadium that Bean is going to be the starter, and the line plummeted down to around 6.5, and and then, of course, Bean doesn't play. Um, It is what it is. The under a 59.5 hit did not hit 60 points. Due to the Oklahoma school surviving an almost upset bit in Iowa State not getting it done, the path to Arlington is either Oklahoma and Oklahoma State lose or Texas and Oklahoma State lose. We will know Friday night if K-State has a shot going into Saturday uh, to make it to Arlington. You need either Oklahoma or you need either Texas to lose, and then you need BYU to figure it out in Stillwater. Total yards. K-State 331, KU 396. Uh, That's a bit misleading. K-State took 33 negative yards on the final three plays. And again, they just needed the game to end in the fourth quarter when they got it with five minutes left. I think K-State could have gone the entire 80 yards to score a touchdown if they needed to, and that would have uh, had K-State with more yards. So not too worried about that. K-State with 61 plays, KU with 57 Time of possession, K-State 27, KU 33. Turnovers, just as I predicted it, three for KU, one for K-State. Penalties, K-State two for 30, KU five for 59. Third down efficiency, pretty close together, K-State eight of 15 on third down, KU five of 11, one of two on fourth down. Uh, look, I think K-State's ga- game management uh, and close uh, moments or clutch moments were the difference in this game. This was a very even game when you look at the stats, when you go back and rewatch it. Uh, this game could have gone either way. But at the end of the day, Chris Kleiman managed the second half pretty close to perfectly. He left some some to be desired in the first half. Um, and, and the entire team, quite frankly, uh, was not at their best in the first half. Um, but when the moments were the biggest and when it mattered the most, correct decisions were made and, and K-State players made big-time plays. Uh, when the net success graph comes out later this week, it's going to be super close. KU may even come out as the uh, net uh, you know, success rate winner in this. But at the end of the day, what matters is what's up, up, up on that scoreboard. And K-State came away with the 15th straight victory. I, I have no time for KU fans trying to come up with excuses. I have no time for KU fans even trying to moral victory this. At the end of the day, 15 straight is almost unheard of when it comes to college football with in-state rivalries. I mean, this is just, I mean, this is at the level of Georgia, Georgia Tech. This is pure dominance. And and KU can try to say, oh, you know, it's close. Oh, we almost got you. Oh, we got screwed by the ref. No, first off, you didn't get screwed by the refs. Second off, congrats. You know, a pat on the head. Second time in 15 years you had it within a score. Congrats. Um, 
I, I just, I just really don't have, I just really don't have much time for, for uh, some of the loser behavior coming out of KU fans. And, and I get it. It's tough. K-State fans have had close losses, but if we're playing the what if game, if we're playing the should have game, if we're doing all that shit, K-State should be 10 and one getting ready uh, to, you know, defend the title in Arlington and, and talking about what it's going to take to get to the college football playoff. You know, if we want to play this game, we can what if and if this and that all day long. Uh, but if you really want, if you really want to get into that nitty gritty, um, you, you just kind of sound like a loser. So hold that L. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the offense. Uh, and by the way, Governor's Cup, this new version of the Governor's Cup, it's been around for 12 years. KU has still never owned this trophy, this current version of the trophy. There it is. Uh, let's get to the Charlie Hustle offensive game side of the game. Offensive game side of the game. The offense review. We're going to talk about the offense, but before we're going to talk about Charlie Hustle, the only thing K-State and KU fans agree on is how hot Charlie Hustle is. Everywhere I looked, I was seeing the varsity jackets. Everywhere I was looking, I was seeing crewnecks. I was seeing uh, crop tops. I've, I was seeing T-shirts. I was seeing long sleeve tees. I even saw a few pairs of the joggers. Everywhere you looked in Lawrence, in purple and in blue, you saw Charlie Hustle. Look, if K-State and KU fans can agree on anything, you know it's right. You know it's correct. So check out charliehustle.com, get something for you, get something for your family, get something for your friends. And again, check the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. Uh, We're going to do our November giveaway this week. So check it out and be sure to enter. Let's talk about quarterback, no Avery Johnson, so it's just Will Howard. Um, This is, is, I think, the microcosm for Will Howard's career this game. Um, some really, really bad plays and some really, really good plays and a lot of grit. And ultimately, uh, as an upperclassman, that that results in coming out on top. Will Howard, um, as a starter, his junior and senior year, he has been a winner. You can't you cannot say anything to dispute that fact. Will Howard, as an upperclassman, has been a winner. And, and I think that's what trumps all that. That is what trumps everything you want from a quarterback. Um, and again, if you want to diagnose his game harshly, go ahead. If you want to diagnose his game with purple glasses on, there's plenty of stuff there to do so. But what matters is K-State one, whether or not it should or shouldn't wins are treated like a quarterback stat. And that one stat is what matters the most. Um, Now talking about kind of the bad, he missed a lot of throws. I mean, there were a couple, uh, I I specifically think of the little pop pass to DJ where he threw the ball, you know, three yards outside of him. Uh, It it was a horrible throw. Uh, DJ would have been able to walk into the end zone. Now, luckily we still scored a touchdown that drive. Um, but that was massive. Um, in the second half, on a three and out drive, he again misses DJ on what should have been an easy first down. Uh, I think a few times he tried to force something when if he would have just tucked the ball and run, he could have picked up first downs. He had a bad interception, and quite frankly, folks, uh, he almost had what would have been a back-breaking pick six for that time in the moment. Um, so, look, the, the, there's the bat. There's the bad, but look, the guy has grit. He made big plays on his feet when it counted. He got the two-point conversion. He got the touchdown. He picked up a first down on that. I think it was on that final drive, or maybe it was on the touchdown drive, but he picked up a first down on on a third down with his feet. Uh, He had a perfect throw on the game uh, opening drive. He had two great touchdown throws. And he had the throw that you needed to get to Phillip Brooks to ice out the game. Again, plenty of individual moments, plenty of good, um, but there was plenty of bad as well. But again, at the end of the day, he got the win. And, and I, I do think that is the perfect microcosm of Will Howard's career. I truly do. Some ups, some downs, but hey, it's a win. And a game that matters so much uh, to this team and to the fans. 
Um, 13 and 24 for 165 yards and two touchdowns, one interception. Um, I think what he ended up with like 14 yards rushing. Uh, he did have one sack that took away a lot of that 18 yards rushing one sack that took away a lot of it. The final three plays, uh, the 33 negative yards that, that those were determined team, uh, yards. So it wasn't saddled just on him. Oh man. But again, um, he had a fine game. Again, he he's pro- he, he is not as great as some K-State fans want to make him out. You know, he's not a ring of honor guy. Um, I mean, hell, I, w- I was on here in the offseason talking about is, could he be a Heisman guy. Um, he's definitely not that, but he's not trash like some K-State fans want, want to say he is. He ended up with an e- ESPN quarterback rating of 82.7. And just for reference, Ballard at KU was 64.7. Uh, so any of this discourse about how Ballard outplayed Will Howard, that's an absolute joke and not true. So, uh, look, Will Howard, um, Will Howard's 3-0 against KU as a starter, 4-0 versus KU with him on the team. Um, it, it, was, the, it was the perfect encapsulation of Will Howard's career. Um, I think we got one more game in Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday for Will Howard. I'm going to cheer for him like crazy. Um, I'm going to look very fondly upon uh, Will Howard's career. Um, and, and and look, you, you can't take anything away from him because the past two years he truly has been a winner. And this game, like I said, encapsulates that. Talking about the offensive line, I thought the offensive line had had a good good game. If you get rid of the final three plays uh, of the game where K-State took negative 33 rushing yards just trying to run out the clock, K-State had 191 rushes or rushing yards on 34 carries. That would have been good for 5.6 yards per carry. Also two touchdowns, only gave up one sack and uh, pass protection. That was a bad play by KT Lev, uh, got across. But look, I, th- this offensive line, I, I think it, it was them or the running backs had the best night. Um, if you want to talk about units, and uh, look, I I am so happy that they, they've found their stride. Again, you kind of have a little bit of what if thinking back to the Missouri and Oklahoma State games because they were poor in both those games. Um, more, more so the Oklahoma State game than the Missouri game. Um, but but they're dogs. Again, BB and Gillum just see, continue to be lethal when they're out there pulling. They were opening up holes. At times, it was looking effortless uh, for DJ being able to just glide for seven yards before he even got touched. Um, th- this this group is great, and, and I I don't see a I shouldn't say this, but I I think they're going to be able to, um, you know, not carve up, but they're going to be able to bludgeon, you know, Iowa State uh, next Saturday, and, and I think they're going to lead us to nine and three. I think they're going to help lead us to an undefeated home season for the first time since 2012. Um, only the second time since 1997 or since 1998. Um, so I, I, I mean, th- they are the best unit on this offense. They've been the most consistent unit on this offense. And last night was no different. Um, again, I very tough on uh, Hayden Gillum. And at time he times he's not great. Like I'm not going to say he's an all American by any means, but he continues to be one of the best polling centers uh, in in the nation. And again, look, offensive linemen are never going to win the Heisman. Uh, Cooper Beebe's getting stiffed for some offensive lineman awards, but there isn't a better offensive lineman in America. He should be a consensus first team all American. And his name is going to go up on the ring of honor. Cooper Beebe is one of the all-time greatest Wildcats to ever play the game at any position. He's the real deal. Uh, tight ends, fullbacks, credit to Oakley and Swanson. They both were out blocking on the edge and uh, really helped out on a couple of those big plays running the ball. And, and I imagine it is tough for um, those guys sometimes to stay engage in you know to stay focused to um feel like they're involved in the offense when, when they when they're just blocking neither one of them got targets we didn't really uh you know distribute the ball around a ton um but they were able to do that they, they were able to show that their team players are willing to do whatever it takes 
uh, to win the game. And, and again, I think we're going to be in good hands when Ben Sennett leaves. Ben Sennett, though, I mean, look, I, I, I think, I think you have to say he's the best tight end in school history. I don't know if he's going to end up holding all the records, um, especially since he's going to get shorted one year of production because he's going to go pro Saturday will be his final game in Bill Snyder family stadium. But I mean, he's the real deal. He had the opening touchdown. He had some big catches on third down, uh, four catches for 39 yards, just an absolute beast um, at tight end. You, you have, you have to give him all sorts of credit. So shout out to Ben Sennett, just another great game from him. Um, Four for 39 with a touchdown was his official uh, stat line. Also, I mean, again, he had some big time blocks as well. So um, shout out to, you know, his blocking skills. Cause I, I think those blocking skills have improved uh, this year tenfold. I, I think he's blocking at a much better rate than he did all last year. Um, The running backs. I mean, that there's, there aren't very many one, two punches as good as DJ and Trayshawn Ward. DJ, over 101 yards, 21 uh, touches, got a touchdown. He's currently only behind Darren Sproles for yards per carry as a Wildcat. Just take a moment. Only Darren Sproles has more yards per carry than DJ. And he's doing that, again, with with an increased usage rate this year um, versus last year. So I I... I, I feel vindicated every show I went on in the offseason. I said, look, I'm not worried about the running backs. DJ Giddens is the real deal. Uh, and I feel vindicated. Um, now, him and Trayshawn got outdueled by KU's running backs. You got to give credit where credit's due. But at the end of the day, you have two Kansas kids going back and forth and DJ Giddens and Devin Neal. Um, it was not fun in the time. It's fun to look back on it. And, and I'm hoping... I'm hoping Devin Neal, you know, is like, hey, I'm going to go make some money in the NFL. I want him to go pro. I don't want him to come back. Um, but if he does, Bill Snyder Family Stadium next year, it's going to be a nice, uh, you know, second duel of these two Kansas running backs. Uh, and Trayshawn really proved the value he brings to the team. Now, if you look at everything except for one of the biggest plays of the game, he had six carries for 11 yards. It wasn't good. And quite frankly, um, there are a couple of those carries I, I was thinking to myself, okay, what what are we doing? We we need to keep going to DJ. But the reason you don't, and the reason why even when DJ's the workhorse, when he he's the hot hand, um, the reason why you give Trayshawn these carries is because he does have the capabilities of busting out a 50-yard run. And when he's able to be fresh, when DJ has been we- wearing down the uh, defense because he's just pounding away, you know, six yards a carry, uh, just wearing them down because he's a big dude who runs with violence. Um, Trayshawn has the ability to to bust one. So again, I, I think that's what makes them such a good duo and why I was uh, really pleased with the way the running backs play. Again, I, I don't, I think honestly, I think if you're looking at the position groups as a whole, I think that uh, really maybe the tight ends, but the offensive line and the running backs are the only A's on this team. I think tight ends probably get a, a B. Wide receivers probably a C plus. I'd probably give Will Howard a C plus. No one on the defense better than a C. Uh, I think it was a C performance from everyone on the defense. So again, I think that that running back group, Trayshawn and DJ, I think that they were um, – neck and neck with the offensive line for, for best, uh, best group. Uh, the wide receivers, look, I, I think it really, for the most part, starts and ends with Jace Brown. Um, it, it doesn't. Keegan Johnson had two catches uh, for 17 yards, including one touchdown. It was a good catch and a good nose for the end zone, getting back in the end zone. Um, so I was happy to see that. Phillip Brooks is only credited catch because uh, he had uh, two credited runs for eight yards, but it was the big one. Um, third down catch, they're sli- slapping at his arms, trying to break that ball loose. He never let go of the ball. It was kind of moving around Dean Blandino when I was re-watching it. 
he was making up rules. He was making up rules. He, there, there is, there is no world in which that wasn't a catch. He was making up rules just because the ball's moving around. It was never dislodged from his hands. He, he uh, possessed the ball, possessed the ball, and then he never let go of it. That it, it was asinine the way he was talking. Um, so he makes the big play when you need him to. So shout out to Philip Brooks. But let's talk about Jace Brown. Four catches for 96 yards, 46 yards to kick things off. Had another big play in the fourth quarter to help set up the go-ahead touchdown. And then he also got yanked back. It should have been a horse collar as well. Again, when he had his breakout game, we came on here and said he's the real deal. Now, he's still a true freshman, so he may have some ups and downs. But he's the real deal, and he's going to have some more big-time uh, games. And here it is, a big-time game. Jace Brown is the real deal. And he is going to be looked upon to p- pick up that baton that, that Philip Brooks is leaving behind, and he's going to have to be the real deal next year. I think with Avery Johnson, Keegan Johnson getting used to the uh, offense getting used to K-State second year, hopefully a healthier year. I think he could be uh, closer to what we hoped and expected. I think Jace Brown's only going to keep getting better. And then you're going to have a one-two punch at wide receiver. And then you're going to see who can step up. Can Trey Spivey step up? Can you see RJ Garcia take a step up? Does Jaden Jackson come back next year? Are you able to find someone in the portal? Um, what about some of these wide receivers we're, we're uh, bringing in as true freshmen next year? Can one of them? I think the wide receivers are going to step up and be even better next year. And a lot of that's going to have to do with Jace Brown, I think, being a legitimate number one type of contender. All right, uh, defensive side of the game ball again. Shout out to our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Are you going to the K-State game on Wednesday? Are you getting a little litty on the, you know, Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Stop into Manhattan Brewing Company. Have a couple pints before you go to the game. Grab a couple four-packs. Grab a couple crowlers. Put them in the trunk of your car because you aren't drinking and driving. No, do not do that. Always drink responsibly. But put that in the trunk of your car. Go home. uh, Enjoy those the night before Thanksgiving or, like I said, on Thanksgiving or Go back. Go back to the tap room after the game. Have a couple pints. Enjoy your evening before you go home. But always drink responsibly. But, hey, make sure, no matter what your plans are, make sure to stop into Manhattan Brewing Company to get yourself set up. All right. Um, got to call a spade a spade. Um, I'm not, I don't do this show to sugarcoat anything. Um, Andy Kotalecki had... Joe Klanderman in a clown suit for that first half. Um, and quite frankly, that first play of the uh, second half. Kolonecki is probably neck and neck with uh, Colin Klein for best offensive coordinator uh, in the Big 12. He's a top 20 offensive coordinator. He's, he's the real deal. And he really exposed... Joe Klanderman in, in that first half. It it took way too long to adjust. And like I said, I, I do believe that if KU was running their normal offense, I think I think K-State would have been better prepared for it. I, I think that KU did exactly what they did. They had a game plan specifically tailored um, to go against K-State, knowing that they weren't expecting a full-blown almost you know, service academy ask offense. And it, it it worked out for them for the first half. Now, when it mattered most, they figured it out. The the final KU possessions, um when, when things mattered the most, three and out, interception, punt, interception. So again, in crunch time, when KU's trying to finish off the game, when K-State has the momentum back. Joe Klanderman's squad bowed up uh, and they took care of business. Again, I, I, I think the the longer the game went on, the 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 more used to it. They figured out what they needed to do. Um, but it shouldn't have taken that long. I I I I'm a little frustrated with that. I don't think it should have um taken basically 
what, two and a half quarters to figure it out, but I'm glad they did. I'm glad they figured it out, and, and I'm glad that Joe Klanderman's defense figured it out uh, and, and, and saw it out. Look, like I said, what was it? Three and out, an interception, a punt, and an interception to end the game. So making the big plays in the biggest moment of the game, uh, you, you can't you can't go after him too hard, but th- that first half was rough. That first half was really rough. Uh, moving to the defensive line, shout out to all the nose guards at one point or at different points in the game. All three went in the injury tents. Uso was in a walking boot at the end of the game, so I doubt he's going to go for Farmageddon. Uh, I'm guessing we'll hear on Tuesday the extent of that injury, uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be around. Uh, Khalid Duke had one of the two sacks on the game, two total tackles. Cody Stuffel being followed up his big game last week with three tackles. Brendan Mott tied with three other guys with five tackles. Damian Alalio, one tackle. Uso credited with one tackle. Nate Matlack, two tackles and a tackle for a loss. Um, look, as a whole, I think every single unit on the defense gets a C- minus or C. Uh, the defensive line, no different. Uh, there are times they were getting uh, their, their lunch eat, ate a little bit. Um, getting moved around, create open spaces for them to run. Um, usually they weren't the read guys on the option, so I'm, I'm not going to hammer them too much for that. Um, I mean, they just weren't great. They, again, they stepped up in the moments that they needed them to, but they, they left a lot to be desired with their performance on Saturday. Um, but if you can if you can put in a C-minus performance on defense and still get the win, look, you got to take that. At the end of the day, these are still college kids, 18 to 24, um, and they're not going to be perfect every game. Um, and they made big plays when you needed to, and, and that's what mattered most. Linebackers is probably the group I had the most frustration with. Austin Moore did uh, lead the team with two tackles for a loss, had four total tackles. Desmond Purnell uh, was part of the team lead with five. Austin Romain had two. Bo Palmer, I think him coming in, for Austin Romaine, because quite frankly, it, it was not a good game for Austin Romaine. Um, he he did not play very well. He 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 really struggled with all the shifts, with all the motion, and being assignment sound. Uh, so I, I think the team got better with Bo Palmer out there. Uh, Bo Palmer, I think he's a contender for some of these game ball awards. He had four tackles, including one sack. Had a great pass breakup. I, I think, like I said, I think the D played better with him on the field uh, at my, uh, Mike linebacker. Um, but like I said, I, I think this was probably the worst unit on the team. Um, you had to be assignment sound. You had to run through leverage. You had to uh, really take care of things in the option. And, and quite frankly, they didn't. Um, some of that's at at the feet of the safeties as well. But the linebackers just did not have a good game. They were you know, losing themselves in the motion. They were slow getting to their reads. They just, they just, they missed tons of tackles. Um, it, it wasn't a good game. And again, it was designed to really kind of exploit and go after uh, a middle linebacker who doesn't have a lot of experience and KU succeeded at that. Um, I, mean, I really think that's, that's all there is to it. Uh, it, it's a little frustrating with how good they play, but at the end of the day, what we, we've sustained three season ending uh, injuries to linebackers. Uh, I think Steve Sanders has done a great job and this doesn't take any of the shine off of the linebackers as a group this year. I think they've been stellar. Um, I just think they really struggled in this game. Uh, and, and if they would have had a good game, here, here's the, here's the thing that's a little frustrating. If they would have had a good game, if they would have had, like a B plus type of game, the linebackers, this game's a blowout. Um, So a lot of it does fall on their shoulders, but as we've said, what, three, four times this show already, uh, when the lights were the brightest, they did make plays. Uh, Secondary, similar linebackers, they struggled in run support on a few pass plays. Uh, They kind of just allowed KU's pass catchers to go up and get the ball when, when show turnaround, show made a pass breakup. Uh, allowed to settle right in the middle of some zones and, and not really make a play on the ball. Um, so, again, it was rough. Kobe Savage and Marquis Siegel both had big-time interceptions for the game moments. V.J. Payne, Kobe Savage both had five tackles. Uh, V.J. Payne had one uh, tackle uh, for loss. 
Um, Marquis Siegel, four tackles and some big hits. And again, there was a trio of secondary guys, Marquis Siegel included, that locked up KU's wide receivers and they ran a sprint out play on that final play for KU, that final offensive possession for KU. And they locked it up. They played it perfectly and forced Ballard to just kind of throw it up there. And Marquis Siegel came down with the ball. So it, it, this goes for the entire defense. It it was a struggle. It was rough to watch. Uh, outside outside of the Missouri game, probably the worst game on defense. I mean, maybe you can throw the Texas game in there as well. Um, but, it, but it was not good. It was not good. But you get to brush it off. You get to get ready for farm again. And, and look, you're still lining up to have – uh, a, a nine and three regular season, an undefeated season at home. So nothing, nothing to get too down in the dumps. Watch. I hope they watch the film today on Sunday and then, Hey, it's on to Iowa state on Monday. And we, and we don't think about this again. Let's talk about the special teams. Oh man. Uh, two massive plays two of the biggest ga- uh, plays of the game. And, and we're just going to talk about this. You know, tenant was three of three on extra points. He did k- make one kickoff out of bounds. Uh, he did have a tackle on KU's big return. Phillip Brooks ran backwards on one punt return. Uh, Jack Bloomer, fine, but not great on his punts. But let's talk about the two biggest plays of the game. First, Nate Matlack uh, getting up and over the uh, KU field goal unit block, and then it goes right to the Lawrence kid, Keenan Garber, and he turns on the Jets. For the second straight week, Keenan Garber is able to get his hands on the ball, take it to the house, and score points. That was a three-point swing in a four-point game. Um, and, and that is absolutely massive. It, it set K-State up to be able to take or go for the two-point conversion later in the game to set it up so KU on their final drive had to score a touchdown instead of uh, being able to kick a field goal and tie the game. Um, that was a game-changing moment from those two Kansas kids, and you absolutely love it. Then another Kansas kid, again, Jack Bloomer, line drive, kind of weird uh, spinning punt. I don't know if he meant to do it, but whatever. KU muffs it, and Ty Bowman, who's right up there with the Seth uh, or with Seth and Shane Porter for being special team standouts, he's able to get on the ball and look. He kind of slid over the ball. It was, it was in his hit pocket, um, and he had to survive a super long scrum and hold on to that ball. So you have to give him so much credit and praise being able to get on top of that. Uh, squirt past it a little bit, and it would it, it had to be one of the most difficult fumble recoveries there is because there were a lot of lot of black jerseys on that pile, and not a lot of friendly white ones uh, either. So, um, two big special teams plays, uh, which uh, in a game where everything's in the margins, that's massive, and uh, you know it had to stick in the craw of Sean Snyder. And knowing, knowing those two plays played such a big impact on the final score and how that's probably eating him alive makes me smile. Just absolutely makes me smile. Um, let's grade the keys to V. Um, let's get into it. The first one was bring heat on whoever's playing quarterback for KU. We had a couple QB hits, one sack. I'm giving it a C. Um, we did not get to Ballard nearly as much as we should have. We sent a lot of all-out blitzes, um, and we weren't getting home. Um, I, I think it was a rough night for the pass rush. Um, only I guess it was two sacks and a couple quarterback hits, um, and Romaine got hit for a uh, roughing the passer penalty. So I'm giving a C. Really, really wish we could have got to him a little bit more. Um, the next one, don't let Devin Neal have a career game. Um, look, what, what was his final? Oh man. 18 carries for 138 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's not a career game. I don't know what it is. That's an F that's an F run the ball down their throats. Um, look, what, what'd we say was the rushing total after we took out those final three plays for negative 33 yards, uh, 191 yards on 34 carries, 5.6. Yeah, I, I would say that's pretty good. I would say that's pretty good. I'm going to give run the ball down their throats an A-. minus, And then don't let special teams hurt you. I mean, I'm going with an A-plus there. Again, the two biggest plays on special teams. Actually, no, I can't go A-plus. I'm going A-minus because Bloomer's punts weren't great and you had to kick out of bounds. And then they had a a bit of a return as well. 
So I'm I'm going A minus though because the two biggest plays on special teams uh, were massive uh, for K State. So that punt block and recovering that muff punt, or excuse me, the extra point block and taking it back for two and that muff punt um, were game changing moments. So I'm going A minus there. So uh, bring the heat on whoever's playing QB for Kansas. C. Don't let Devin Neal have a career game. F. Run the ball down their throat. Uh, a minus and do not let special teams hurt you. A minus. So, look, not a great grade point average, uh, but again, a win is a win. We're going to end with Game Balls, uh, sponsored by Charlie Hustle. Get over to charliehustle.com. Find your new favorite K State crew neck, hoodie, t shirt, joggers, whatever it is, jacket. Oh, man, those varsity jackets are so. Great. Get over there today, buy something for yourself, and buy something for a loved one as well. All right, we got two game balls from the Boneheads. We have two game balls from me. We got the Boomer Award from my dad and Chauncey's. He's got that dog in him as well as two swagger stickers. Let's get to it. The near-unanimous game ball winner for the Boneheads on offense, DJ Giddens. Again, another 100-yard rushing game. Gets back into the end zone. Um very close to having, I mean, ran some great routes uh, in the passing game as well. Could have could have had some more there, but a massive game for DJ Giddens once again, going over 100 yards rushing. Back to back weeks, maybe back to back to back weeks. I'm not quite sure, but shout out to him. My game ball is going to Jace Brown, almost 100 yards uh, receiving, but makes the two biggest plays in the passing game um, and, and grabbed a couple more. Absolutely massive game. For the true freshman bonehead game ball number two, a split. There's a lot of split for the two guys who grabbed interceptions, but Marquis Siegel is getting the bonehead uh, defensive game ball again. Massive interception in the moment that mattered most. He was bringing the boom, bringing the hit stick as well. So he is getting the game ball from them. Mine's going to Bo, Bo Palmer again. He had a pass breakup. He had a sack. I think we played better with him out there, especially when you needed that maturity. You needed that experience out there. Um, I think I think he's a big part of why the defense played better in the second half. So mine's going to Bo Palmer. The Bonehead Swagger Sticker Award, back-to-back weeks, going to the Lawrence kid himself, Keenan Garber. Uh, I think a lot of folks really loved him waving the wheat in the end zone after he took that back for two. Great one for Keenan Garber. Uh, my swagger sticker going to Kobe Savage. He's talking trash the entire game to KU players, to KU fans. Uh, while K-State is picking up the first down and ending the game on offense, he grabs one of the famous We Own This State signs and is taunting the KU fans, having a blast out there. Um, and he was swagging around when he got his interception as well. So he's getting my swagger sticker. The Kevin McFarland Boomer Awards going to Nate Matlack uh, for his game, not only on defense, but of course, getting that big, big, big extra point block. And then the final game award, the Chauncey Bosco's He's Got That Dog in Him Award. I talked to Chauncey. He said it is Will Howard, Will Howard with the he's got that dog in him award. And again, it comes down to with Will Howard, that middle part of the game, you know, that second, well, actually, hell, the second quarter was fine. But the third quarter, there, there are some bad plays. There's some missed throws, um, some bad decisions. But know what happens when the lights are at their brightest, when the team needs him his at the most. He comes up with the big plays. He comes up with the scores when we need him to, and he's picking up the first downs and he's marshalling this team to a victory. So that is why he, that's why Chauncey told me, Will Howard has that dog in him and he has the, he's got that dog in him award. So again, the game balls going to DJ, the blue Jay Giddens, Marquis Siegel, Bo Palmer, Jace Brown, the swagger stickers going to Kobe Savage, and Keenan Garber, the Boomer Award going to Nate Matlack 
in the Chauncey Bosco. He's got that dog in him award going to Will Howard. Folks, 15 straight over your rival is something to be proud of. It is something to brag about. It is something to celebrate. Do not let KU fans try to moral victory this. Don't let them try to do any excuses. This was a win for the record books. This is a win that proves that the gap is still there. No matter what KU fans try to say, you just reply, mind the gap. Checks over stripes. K-State 15 straight for Sunflower Showdown. We're going to be back tomorrow with a Q&A episode. Wednesday, we're going to preview Farmageddon. Thursday, we'll have just a Thanksgiving special. Um, it won't be long, but you know me. I like to keep streaks alive. And I said we're going to get through at least November going daily. That includes Thanksgiving, so we'll have a special on Thursday. Uh, I'll talk about K-State's uh, loss to Miami a little bit. We'll talk a little women's basketball, a little bit of volleyball football of course maybe we're just going to go around the circle and talk about what we're thankful for and friday we'll have some sort of whip around we'll have some sort of content for you on friday as well so for chauncey the best dog in the world for every single purple bleeding kansan and wildcat fan around the nation 15 straight that's right one two three four five six seven eight nine ten 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. The streak over KU is getting their learner's permit, and they're applying to be a checkout bagger at Javier Dillon's 15 straight. My name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.